episode 808. As rookies are integrated into the Green Bay Packers offseason program, we focus once again on one more player in particular today, wide receiver Monte Crockett, and hear from a man that profiled him. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Green Bay Packers rookie class. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Brett McCormick of the Herald in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Mr. McCormick, how are you this morning? Great. How are you doing? And uh, You're in Green Bay, right? Uh, I'm in Wisconsin, not Green Bay in particular. I'm in Madison, but gotcha, gotcha. regardless, it's good to talk to you. <laughs> Um, one episode after getting the inside scoop on linebacker Cody Hyman from a beat reporter. Today, we're going to learn more about rookie wide receiver Monte Crockett, whom Brett McCormick profiled coming out of college. Last year, we also had Brett on the show after profiling fullback Elstevis Squirewell, so we're glad to have Brett back. A- and then, Brett, let's start with Monte Crockett's backstory about his family, because there's a pretty interesting story there. Yeah, this is uh, another, you know, a lot of these undrafted free agents obviously have uh, the, the the obvious motivation of not being picked by a team. Uh, Monte, though, is a, is a guy that's going to have maybe a little extra. Um, his mother passed away in 2015, in the summer of 2015. Uh, she, had, she died from stomach cancer, and he kind of knew that she was sick, but she basically shielded him from the the real details of her illness and only uh, he only found out about it um, as she was getting, you know, seriously ill and, and about to pass away. Uh, she did that to keep him on track. You know, I, I think that the thinking in their family was that if, if he knew the uh, severity of the illness, that he would have dropped what he was doing and, and um, gone back to, to Rock Hill to be with her. Uh, he was at Georgia Southern at the time. And, uh, you know, I think it was uh, a pretty, crazy and, and kind of amazing sacrifice by uh, his, his mother, Mary, to, uh, you know, to, to kind of keep him out of the loop so that he could stay focused on what he was doing, which was, you know, trying to finish his degree at Georgia Southern and uh, complete, uh, you know, get ready for his senior season of um, his redshirt senior season of, of college football. So uh, everything he's doing since then is, uh, is, is really in her memory and in her honor. And, um, you know, this is a guy that already was, motivated and focused and mature about this process and I think you know he's got the he's got a little extra oomph um, behind what he's trying to do in in Green Bay this week yeah an inspiring story that ends with a I I don't want to say a happy ending because his mother passed away but you know it ends with an NFL contract which is what you want as a player growing up and and so Brett can you tell us about uh, Monte's decision to sign with the Packers because he apparently had several offers and visits to team prior to the draft. Yeah, and he, I don't, I don't know that there was um, a ton that went into it. Honestly, he told me it was uh, the best and first um, major offer that he got, uh, so he took it, 
which, you know, a lot of times these, these guys um, will sit with their agents and, you know, kind of pick through a few of the offers. Um, there's really, and you're probably aware of this, there's really a lot of, there's quite a few levels of undrafted free agents. I mean, you got the guys that are there to like make up the numbers so they can do the drills. And then you got the guys that very nearly were drafted and can be a lot more picky. And I would say Monte was probably in the middle there. He, he did get uh, money. He got a signing bonus. Um, you know, so that, that's good. There's uh, some guys that don't get that, but uh, I don't, I don't think he was being picky <laughs> with his <laughs> opportunities. You know, I think he uh, saw a chance with green Bay and, and grabbed it. And, um, you're right. He did have some other teams that were, that were looking at him, but, uh, you know, I, I think green Bay, they have some good receivers there, but I, I think he's in a decent, uh, position and, uh, you know, I can talk more about his versatility later, but I, I think it's, you know, not a bad spot for him. And, and, and the fact that they were going to offer him some money and, um, you know, give him a, a real shot, I think is, uh, you know, was like a no brainer basically for him. Certainly better than being a tryout player, which a lot of exactly. players got to come right. to camp uh, doing. Um, as far as uh, what attracted the Packers to Monte Crockett, can you get into his testing numbers? Uh, because they're very impressive from what I've seen. Yes. And, and there is one thing that is, uh, there's a couple things that are uh, unquestioned about Monte Crockett. And one of them is his athleticism. And he comes from South Point High School, which, you know, Rock Hill has kind of a, pretty good reputation for putting out NFL players for a town of 60,000 people. And um, he went to South Point High School, which is where Jadavian Clowney went, Stefan Gilmore, uh, Devontae Holloman. Um, so in, in a 10-year-old school's had three NFL players. Uh, <laughs> tells you kind of what they're working with over there. And um, Monte, uh, I mean, really, I think, got on the clipboards of a lot of NFL scouts because of his athleticism. Uh, because like what we'll talk about probably, he, d- he didn't have a lot of um, – statistical production at Georgia Southern because of uh, the scheme they ran. But, um, I mean, he bench pressed two, 225 18 times, which is, you know, not bad for a receiver. Uh, but he ran um, at Georgia Southern's pro day. It was like pouring rain. It was really terrible weather. But he ran a 4.38, which is uh, not too shabby in uh, any kind of weather. Um, he also ran a 4.29 at a uh, combine, uh, like a, a combine for guys that are probably going to be on draft free agents in New Orleans. Uh, I ran a 4.29 there. Um, broad jump of 10 feet 11, which broad jump is an interesting uh, test uh, for athletes. It really uh, suggests um, or lays bare a guy's explosivity kind of in their lower half. So uh, he jumped 10.11, which would have been seventh best at the uh, NFL draft combine out of the, you know, 300 guys that were that were at Indianapolis. So, um 10-11 is no joke, and he also had a 38-inch vertical leap. So, obviously, a guy that has a, a lot of explosion from his hips down, and um, he's a he's a track star in in the sense that he can run really quick. And it, but I would say not a tr- not one of the track star guys where it's kind of a negative label. You know, they don't want to get hit or anything like that. I mean, he's a he's a football player that is extremely fast and uh, explosive. Yeah, to run a sub four four forty, uh, even a sub four three forty, uh, according to one timing, that's that's incredibly impressive to me. Um, yeah. So, how difficult, Brett, is it of a transition that Monte's going to go through for you know a receiver coming out of Georgia Southern's option offense for for people who might not have know Georgia Southern or watched them uh, carefully on TV? Yeah. This is, a, this is a good football program. They just stepped up to the bowl division, but they were a powerhouse 
in one uh, double for a really long time. And it was basically, basically the, the option that you're talking about. So the quarterback or uh, the, the running back were um, tailback basically were carrying the ball about 75% of the time. Um, and so he, I mean, Monte had 24 catches over uh, four years. So <laughs> not, and, and most of those came, uh, excuse me, he had a uh, 30 something catches and, and 20, 24 of them came in his last year. So, um, you know, the, the statistical production is, is not really there. Um, that said, that doesn't mean he can't catch. Uh, he just doesn't have a lot of uh, film doing it. But, you know, I think there's some some uh, intangibles and some unintended benefits of playing in this kind of system, first of all. I mean, he's going to he's, he's not going to have an ego because uh, you wouldn't uh, go to Georgia Southern if you <laughs> if you needed the ball every play. <laughs> um, uh, second of all, you know, he's obviously going to be a very good blocker. Uh, you have to be an unselfish player to be a receiver uh, in a program like Georgia Southern. Uh, and even think about like some of the guys that have come out of, and it's a different school, but it's a similar program, uh, Georgia Tech. I mean, two of the best receivers in the NFL in the last uh, decade were from Georgia Tech in uh, Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas. So um, he's going to be able to block. Uh, he's unselfish. And, um, you know, I, th- I think what he was trying to show at his pro day was that he's got really good hands. Uh, he told me he didn't drop any passes. So, um, you know, considering, again, that it was raining, I, I, you know, that's probably – it's probably a pretty good sign for him, but I, I just think uh, people are going to be interested and in see what to see what he can do when he when he does get the chance to uh, catch the ball more regularly. Um, but another thing that was really helping him out was he was a kind of a special teams ace for Georgia Southern, return punts and kickoffs, and uh, again that's an opportunity where he could get the ball in his hands and uh, show off the speed. Yeah, I saw he actually led the Sun Belt in punt return average his senior season, so leading an entire conference. Do you think he's a candidate to return punts in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think he could get a shot. I, I think that's what um, – and again, you know, it, it's hard to guess w- what guys are going are gonna, to – what undrafted guys are going to stick and which ones aren't, but you can only think that it would help you to have more uh, – you know, tricks, tricks up your sleeves. So, I mean, it obviously doesn't have a lot of experience catching passes in games, but, um, you know, his blocking ability, his athleticism, and the fact that he's uh, going to be able to contribute on special teams, you know, and that he's, and that he's going to be unselfish about it and not, not, you know, that it's something he's probably going to be willing to do. Uh, you think that's got to, that's got to help him out. I, I don't know that uh, other receivers that he's going to be competing against. Um, you know, I think there's, two guys that were rookies last year and then probably, you know, maybe a couple other undrafted free agents uh, that'll be at the same spot. You know, I, I don't know how many of them are, are going to be viable options on special teams. Um, so I, I, that's only a positive in, in my view, uh, you know, for his chances of, of sticking with the Packers, either on the roster or uh, with the practice squad. So after talking to Monte personally, what, what impression did you get from him about his chances of making in the NFL and just his personality in general? Wow, he's really driven. I mean, uh, you know, you hear there's a lot of guys that are like, oh, you know, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. But Monte had uh, real conviction. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I think he's also realistic too. So, uh, you know, he we talked about Canada – the CFL and things like that too. And, and, you know, he's open to those options too, uh, which, you know, some guys in the past I've talked to weren't really into that. So tells me that he's, he's just trying to make it kind of regardless. But um, as far as the NFL, I mean, I, you know, I think he's delighted to get the opportunity, but I don't think he's like totally surprised, you know, like some people might be, I mean, again, he knows what he can do. 
even if the stats aren't there. Um, and I think a lot of NFL scouts understand that too. I don't, I don't think they need to see, you know, hundreds of catches uh, to, to be able to tell if a guy's a football player. That said, I think they're going to be very curious to see, you know, how he does um, uh, running his routes and, and reeling in passes and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think he's thrilled for the opportunity and I, I think he's going to take it very seriously. Um, he's a mature guy. You know, he's had to deal with um, some, some difficult stuff the last couple of years. And, um, you know, here he is with the opportunity that, uh, I mean, his mom would have just gone nuts about. So um, I think at the very least, you're going to get somebody that's going to really go all out to, to kind of honor her legacy, you know, and, and be true to himself and like really try to take advantage of a, of a great opportunity. I know. I'm curious to see him, and uh, we'll get the opportunity to see him on the field starting next week when organized team activities begin. But, Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Glad to have you again for a second consecutive year being a guest on the show. Keep up the great work at uh, the Herald in South and, uh, pardon me, what, it, what city is it again? Rock Hill? Rock Hill. Very good. <laughs> Uh, pardon me, I'm not from that part of the country, but thank you so much for uh, talking to us. Uh, you provided great insight. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Maybe we'll have another one next year. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. We're keeping up the tradition here. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brett. Take care. Brett McCormick of the uh, the Herald in Rock Hill, South Carolina, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, we learned on Monday, after our last episode of Railbird Central, didn't have an opportunity to talk about then, we learned Monday that Packers rookie linebacker Vince Beagle, the team's fourth-round draft choice and a Wisconsin native, underwent foot surgery last week, an item reported by several outlets. This, however, raises questions, uh, quite a few questions, that haven't been answered. But before we get to that, here's what we know. The surgery was to fix the same injury that forced Beagle to miss time at the University of Wisconsin last season. That's a Jones fracture, which is a break in the mid-portion of the foot along the long bone on the outside. I believe the pinky toe, uh, or the bone connected to that at least. Um, In college, Beagle had a screw inserted to fix the issue and missed two games the 2016 season. Uh, Beagle will reportedly miss the entirety of the off-season program, so that means what he's missing right now. Uh, OTAs coming up, minicamp in June, but the hope is he'll be ready for the start of training camp, although no guarantees are being made. With no commentary from Beagle or any representative from the Packers organization in any report I've seen, here's what we don't know, and it's quite a bit. Uh, In general, I think people want to know, why now? Why, why have the surgery now? Did Beagle re-injure himself during rookie minicamp? We know he injured his hand that both he and head coach Mike McCarthy more or less dismissed as relatively minor. He had a club cast put on it, but we know it, it, there wasn't any break that we know of. Uh, but did Beagle also hurt his foot? Or even if he didn't break it, has it been bothering him? And if so... 
did he return too soon from his injury in college and not allow it to heal properly? Or is this merely a preventative measure? So yeah, there's there's a lot we don't know right now, and it's kind of unfortunate because Vince Beagle was was kind of being hailed as one of the darlings of the Packers draft class, of course, being a Wisconsin native, coming from the in-state university, essentially acquired as a free pick after trading out of the pack uh, the Packers traded out of the first round. Um you know, I think I think there's a hope from both the Packers organization and from its fan base that Beagle can help the Packers as an outside linebacker where there's a lot of uncertainty outside of Nick Perry. Even with him, there's a degree of uncertainty being a guy who's been off injured prior to the last season of his career. Um, there's Clay Matthews, but right now we don't know how much he'll play on the inside and how much he'll play on the outside. Then there's last year's third-round draft choice, Kyler Fackrell. Uh, But after a modest rookie season, it's no sure thing that he's going to be a major factor. You hope he is, but there's no guarantee. Same for J. Rowan Elliott, who's entering his fourth season and hasn't made a major impact yet. Again, all of us listening to this show hope he can make a major impact, but there's no guarantee. Uh, there's a handful of other younger players that are even bigger question marks. Um, and that brings us back to Vince Beagle, who's going to miss valuable practice time during OTAs and minicamp. Certainly, th- there's a lot he can learn by just watching. But of course, it's always better when you're out there taking live reps. And all this being said, it's better he's injured now than in August. If If everything goes according to plan and he's back in time for the start of training camp, then it will have been a relatively minor setback. Uh, he'll still have all of mini camp and, or, um, pardon me, training camp and every preseason game to get ready for the season. But whether or not that happens, however, we'll have to see. So that was the big news uh, breaking on Monday. Uh, that's kind of Packer fans have been talking about ever since with a lot of unanswered questions here. Um, no reporter has been able to talk to Vince Beagle about this. Apparently, uh, I haven't seen it since news broke on Monday. Obviously nobody from the Packers organization is talking as usual, just because I mean, Mike McCarthy would probably at least, you know, in a general sense, talk about it the next time he has a press conference, but that's not happening until I believe either Monday or Tuesday this upcoming week. So I don't know if that's going to be the next time anybody comments on Beagle's injury. Um, you know, it, it's just kind of curious. Nobody is talking about it here at all. Uh, either Beagle or, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, reporters will reach out to his agent. Nothing's been happening on that front. So maybe we'll find out sooner rather than later. We just have to see. So in other news, <clears throat> it was reported by Rob Domofsky of ESPN.com that Packers offensive lineman Lane Taylor has received a raise in 2017, triggered by a performance escalator in his contract. The raise is worth $400,000, which will bump his salary from $1.85 million to more than $2 million, $2.25 million to be exact, including bonuses, which are workup bonuses and roster bonuses. His salary cap figure will now be $3.1 million in 2017. 
It wasn't reported what the escalator in his contract was. I assume he probably had to meet a certain number of snaps played, meaning if he was out there on the field for the Packers and they felt comfortable having him be out there on the field, um, that he would get this this escalator would, would kick in. Uh, obviously it did. I just don't know the exact you know, number of snaps it was, or if, even if that was the, the escalator, um, you know, there, there could be very specific language about that kind of thing, uh, that's been unreported, but in other, um, you know, Taylor enters the second of a two year deal with the Packers, meaning he'll be a free agent after this season. And it's certainly understandable that fans might be speculating about his future, uh, especially in light of this news, Taylor filled in capably for the departed Josh Sitton at left guard last season. And while he may not have played quite as well as Sitton, he more than held his own. That's the good news for Lane Taylor. The bad news, and I, I might be splitting hairs here, but if you were to rank the five starting offensive linemen for the Packers last year and maybe even this year, I think most people would put Lane Taylor at the bottom of the list, probably number five. Maybe not everyone, but the majority of people. So while he played well last season, he's still the weakest link on the offensive line. Does that mean he won't be a priority for the Packers? Not really sure. Uh, Working in his favor is that Jari Evans, the newly signed guard by the Packers, was only signed to a one-year deal. So if the Packers want to bring back a starting guard next season, you'd have to think the much younger Lane Taylor would be the priority. Uh, That being said, the Packers have other options available to them, uh, like the newly drafted Kofi Amici in the NFL draft, a six-round draft choice of the Packers. Uh, They also have guys, uh, you know, coming back from last year like Kyle Murphy and um, Lucas Patrick, uh, guys who are options. Uh, Are they any better options than Lane Taylor? I tend not to think so, seeing as Taylor started for the Packers last year and neither, you know, Murphy or Patrick did, albeit they were much younger and inexperienced at the time. He's still yet to see about Kofi Amici. Um, But anyway, there you go. There's the latest update on Lane Taylor and what it may mean for his future with the Green Bay Packers. I just tend to assume here that the Packers are more than willing to let the 2017 season play itself out before they, you know, revisit a future contract with Lane Taylor here. Uh, obviously, if an injury were to happen along the way, that could impact negotiations. Uh, knock on wood, you don't hope for that for from anybody. Uh, but, you know, uh, they're just going to have to let the season play itself out, not only from that aspect, but, you know, just want to see how he responds to how he plays in 2017. Um, if he plays well, he will probably be a priority for the Packers. If he doesn't play well, well, he falls down the... Down the totem pole. Um, so there you go. That's uh, the latest news uh, in the world of the Green Bay Packers, the breaking news that I've seen over the past 48 hours or so since our last episode. And that brings us to our next segment. The day ahead. Starting on Thursday, 
The annual NFLPA Rookie Premier begins and lasts through the remainder of the weekend. One Packers player was invited this year, and that was running back Jamal Williams, the top running back drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the fourth round. If you're wondering why just him, uh, the Rookie Premier is more than anything a marketing event, and by and large, it's skill position players that are invited with few exceptions. So um, once in a while, there's a defender invited. In fact, I think this year, I don't even think Miles Garrett was invited, the number one overall draft choice. Um, so that that goes to show you how much of a, a skill position thing it is and why like Kevin King wasn't invited by the Green Bay Packers uh, or for the Green Bay Packers. Um, it, it's mandatory that players are invited, meaning that, yes, Jamal Williams will miss a small portion of the offseason program this week to attend the rookie premiere, although it's only a day or two. His teams don't practice over the weekend, so he won't be missing anything Saturday or Sunday. This is an annual occurrence. Wide receiver Trevor Davis had to do the same last year. Wide receiver Ty Montgomery the year before that. You know, you go back several years, several Packers have been invited to this event over the years. Um, At the rookie premiere, Williams will take part in all sorts of promotions with league marketing partners like video games. Um, The highlight of the event will be Williams putting on his game jersey for the first time as he poses for pictures for trading card companies. If you want to learn more about the event, the rookie premiere, we had an interview last year with Ira Boudway of Forbes, who has attended the event and kind of gave us a behind the scenes look. So just Google Ira Boudway Railbird Central. Uh, It'll pop right up. I know I did the same right before we came on air today uh, just to see if it would pop up. And yep, sure. Sure did. Um, it really tells you all about the event. Is you know that that's that's one of the few things going on on the NFL calendar over these next few days. Here is you know there's not going to be a whole lot talking about uh, you know what's happening on the field because you know practices aren't open to the public until next week. So if you're looking about what is going on and what some Packers are doing, there you go. You'll you'll get the inside look there on the NFL rookie premiere and annual event and uh, one that they do they do offer a small amount of you know training for these guys especially like um, uh, financial training I think they provide those kind of things where they try to teach them a little bit although it's not really the focus of this event so there is a small educational uh, component, uh, as I understand, but not a huge one. But there you go. That's what's happening in the world of the Green Bay Packers on the horizon here, and something you'll probably hear about if you follow social media over the weekend is Jamal Williams dons his green and gold game jersey for the first time over the weekend. So that's cool, and that concludes our episode of Railbird Central for today. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Brett McCormick of Rock Hill, South Carolina, the Herald, for being our guest on today's show. Uh, We'll be back again on Friday with our next episode of Railbird Central. Already have our guest lined up. Uh, 
Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog will be our guest. I know usually it's the second Friday of every month that he's joining us. This time it'll be the third Friday of the month as kind of the NFL draft threw a monkey wrench into things. Friday's episode will be at 8.15 a.m. Central Time, 15 minutes earlier than usual. Uh, occasionally on Fridays, I got to be into work a little bit earlier means we're going to push the live edition of the show up. I'm just going to do it on an as needed basis more than usual. It'll be just Fridays, meaning Mondays and Wednesdays will be unchanged and, um, uh, we'll just play it by ear. If I got to move it up 15 minutes on the occasional, uh, Friday, uh, we're just going to do that and, and leave everything else unchanged. Those of you who listen to the podcast edition of the show, not going to change anything you're doing anyway because you're just listening it, listening to it and downloading it on demand anyway. So there you go. There's uh, what's happening with Railbird Central. So we'll see you, folks. Have a good Wednesday. We'll see you two days from now. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. I leave you today with a song called On the Road by String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go. 